Jim Mallard here. Welcome to the Mallard Report. The Mallard Report is recorded in front of a live virtual audience on the Duck Pond. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live. Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things. Robert Clotworthy. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. Hope everybody's having a fun Valentine's Day. Boy. So I know a lot of people are missing the, uh, the live program, so they're going to be disappointed when they have to come back and listen to this and find out they missed a pretty good show. hope I'm not setting the bar too high. Uh, but before I begin, three strangers in different situations find themselves pulled into a small town in the middle of Ohio. A force was reeling them in like a needle drawn to the compass of the north, powerless to stray from their impending convergence, where they must take their stand against good versus evil. But what happens when evil wears the face of goods? Face of good. Daniel Belts was on the program last week, so you'll be able to go and get all sorts of good questions answered about that. So be sure to check that out, and his novel is out now. So, having settled that, tonight we welcome actor, writer, director, Pitts, Pittsburgh native, James Quinn to the program. So, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Jim, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. So, we we got to start with, aren't we glad the Eagles didn't win the Super Bowl? <laughs> aren't we always yeah i mean nah, they did a good job though yeah i was gonna say we, we have to give them a little hard time because otherwise well we just have to uh, absolutely so you, you got this thing for acting so take where did that come from because i mean obviously i think at some point we all kind of expire to be on the big screen or even the small screen but to pursue it's a whole different level yeah, you're right. Um, you know, I know I was talking about this with somebody the other day. We, uh, we're kind of trying to remember where that spark kicked in. And for me, I take it back to one place in general when it was 1985 when I saw Back to the Future for the first time. When I saw that on the big screen, it just, it engulfed my, my entire imagination, you know, and everything that it was is what I wanted to do. Um, just the storytelling, the characters, everything that was happening there was just, just kind of drew me in, you know, it didn't happen right away for me, but that's when I first saw what I really wanted to do. And so it was, you know, a handful of years later before I got a chance to do any acting in school plays and then doing some background work and commercials. And then it just kind of took off from there. And I found the independent film scene and I just knew that I really had something that was always calling to me. Uh, but I just wanted to, to kind of feel my way through the waters and see what I had. And uh, I'm glad I stuck it out because there's been a lot of good that's come my way in recent years. And um, But I take all of it back to Back to the Future, man. It's one of my favorite, if not, it is my favorite franchise of all time. They're not going to reboot that, are they? I hope not. I mean, because they're I rebooting just... everything, it seems. Somebody told me today they're going to reboot League of Their Own. Oh, I did hear that, yeah. Um, I mean, as far as Zemeckis and Gale are concerned, they're not going to. But who knows what happens, you know, one day when they're gone. Back to the past. Um, I, I say, <laughs> <laughs> don't mess with perfection. But they seem, that's what, all, I mean, that's what Hollywood seems to do. How many Star Wars movies are there now? Oh my gosh, I know. And, and the originals are the only ones that really talk to me. Um, but I mean, I do, I do like some of the newer ones, but at some point it gets to be a lot. And yeah. you just don't want to take away from what it was supposed to be. Yeah, when Star Wars starts writing about me, we're kind of in trouble. 
Because, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there's only, I mean, there's only, you can only water down the product so far, I think, but maybe, uh, not, not picking I'm, Star Wars alone. There's a number of other franchises out there, like Cars 7, or Fast and the Furious yeah. 7, or whatever. <laughs> and as long as people go and see them, they'll continue to make them. I mean, that's the thing. There's a lot of money to be made, and there's a market, so, I mean... God bless, uh, but I just, you know, as a fan, as a true fan of certain products, you just, you know, you want to leave it where, where it was at its best. Okay, so you mentioned doing actual, like, on-stage stuff and then commercials and now independent stuff. So you've, you've seen it from all the sides of this, which, I mean, it's, it's obviously tougher when you're coming up. Now you've kind of got a name established for yourself so some people know who you are and all this other fun stuff. But take me back to those early days when you were trying literally to get your foot in the door. Uh, it's you know the early days was a tougher game because when I saw, when I tried to break in originally it was in the nineties and it was before everybody was cell phones and texting and so you would you would get a call from your agency or you know the casting agent and if you missed it they left it on your answer machine and by the time you got home you know you already missed a call and you didn't get the part and so it was it was a lot different than what it is now so trying to navigate through those waters was tough when I when I came back to the business a handful of years later. You know, we were texting, we were getting emails, and then having to find your way on the set, meeting people, finding out how to get to auditions. There's a lot of footwork that has to be done early on. Networking is key. Uh, with you know, with the rise of social media, has really, really helped the independent artists, and not just for actors, but independent artists everywhere, um, to finally get themselves out on stage. Streaming, streaming has really leveled the playing field. So, I mean, there was just a lot of work trying to find out what to do. How to, how to conduct yourself on set, how to find your next audition, you know, and that was a lot of work to try to figure out early on. Um, and you had a lot of doors shut on your face and you still do, you know, not everybody's going to tell you, yeah, that's the business. In fact, most of the time they're going to tell you no, but you just have to be able to take that and keep moving forward. And, um, and if you can do that, you know, there's going to be good things that will happen along the way. Just, you have to know what you want and go after it. Well, that's got to be the hard part. I mean, accepting the rejection after, you know, getting, that rave of emotion from going, oh, I've got a potential part to, I don't have a part, has to be, well, frustrating, I guess is the easiest word to put on it. Yeah, and it can be, you know what I mean? You just, you have to kind of take it on the chin and leave it all in the room. You know, when you get the part, it's always a bonus, and that's what they tell actors. When we go into the audition room, you leave it all in the room. You know, and if you get the call later, great, you thank everybody, you shake their hand, you walk away, and if the phone rings later, it's a bonus. You know, and it just... Getting out there and auditioning is, you know, getting those nerves out of the way. That's half the battle right there. You know, when the phone rings later, it's 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 a rush. It's a great feeling, and you try to play off of that. So when you do get the part, you try to take that emotion into your next audition with you. But knowing that, you know, you're not going to get everything, and you know, they're always maybe you could done the best that you possibly could have, and you just weren't exactly what they wanted. Maybe you're you know five foot eight, and you just couldn't be seven foot two. You know, there's, there's just <laughs> there's can. always going to be a variable that oh, you can't help. That's disappointing. Don't tell my kids that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, as you go through this, though, you mentioned the, the nervousness, nervousness before the auditions. Now, I noticed doing this show probably took me five years before I got actual comfortable talking into the mic. I mean, I'm doing this in my house, right? I've got a screen, a microphone. Like, there's no legitimate movie. There's no pressure in the world, right? But there right. is the self-pressure of it all. <laughs> but there's literally, I mean, like, there's not, you know, like, there's not a producer in the other room. There's not... Some guy from iHeartRadio, you know, screaming in at me. Like, you know, literally no pressure. But for the first five years, there was all these butterflies and, like, horrible ugliness. So, and then it finally started to tip the other direction. Now it's kind of whatever. I, I mean, I don't want to say I don't have the nervous, but now I can channel it and just do what we're doing tonight. 
So talk me through that process because you're like live when you're going out in front of people. I mean, the person you're reading with is literally across the table. So does that nervousness ever get better? You know, it really does. And it's, it's case sensitive to a lot of actors, but I think a lot of them will tell you it's, it's just like going into, you know, a hockey game or a prize fight or, you know, a wrestling match or a, for a comedian would say the same thing. It's, the nerves are all leading up to it. So when we get into the audition room and you say hi to everyone and you break that ice, once that camera rolls and you start talking, you start, you know, delivering the lines that they want you to deliver, there's nobody else in the room. There's nothing else happening. You kind of forget that's happening. And then that's when the rush kicks in. So that you're living in that moment. And that's the same for, you know, I, I played ice hockey. I was an amateur boxer. So when the bell rang in a boxing ring, you don't hear anything. You don't really see anything but what your what your opponent is doing. You know, there's nothing else there but you and them. And it's the same for an audition room. If you're standing there with the director or whoever you're reading with, it's just you and that person. Everything else has kind of disappeared and you got blinders onto it. But, but it's those moments leading up to it that can be extremely nerve-wracking. And like you said, those first couple of years, that can be a little more intense. For me now, it's a little more of a rush. It's um, it's something I enjoy doing. You always get nervous. You want am I doing it right? You can get in your own head. But once you get in that room and you make eye contact and you and you start breaking the ice a little bit, man, that's when it wears away. So I've got a mention for my Canadian listeners out there because they will kick me if I don't. The Gordy Hall <laughs> hat trick or yeah, potential there, boxer hockey. So um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So which which one did you prefer more? I mean, obviously you did them both. I know this is kind of off. I told you we're going to get down some weird places, but absolutely. Which ice hockey uh, or boxing? Uh, you know what I? If I have to choose one, I'm going to say probably boxing, only because it's you know I feel like it's a lost art that's finally making its way back, and that there was such an art to it, and I I loved all the original like Rocky Marciano is my favorite all time, always will be. You know, those, those were, were warriors. And, and, you know, in the Mike Tyson eras when, you know, when I was, was training and, and taking amateur fights. And so I think to me, yeah, probably boxing just because I, I want to see the art get back to it. And I think it is finally coming back to where it used to be. Um, cause a lot of the emphasis has been on MMA and, and rightfully so lately, but I think, uh, boxing's just its own art, man. It's its own place. And I, I really love it. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking as you were talking about that. I'm thinking, yeah, boxing is an art compared to MMA, which is just a brutal assault. Anything can go wrong at any moment, right? Absolutely. Um, and it, you got to give it to them because they they know so. You know, their their arsenal is insane, right? It's just there's so much out there. <laughs> nothing, nothing I want to do. And you see those guys, <laughs> I, and you're like, no. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. It's uh, it's interesting. It's fun to watch. So. I also noticed that you've done some uh, on the other side of the, the camera, the directing and writing and producing and all that fun side. So what made you want to flip the script, so to speak? Yeah, I, Jim, I've always enjoyed writing. Um, I did a lot of writing short stories and like poems when I was a kid, things like that. Um, and so I think what was happening once I discovered the independence and I started learning how to do things, I was a production assistant on set and I learned how to build the sets. We were doing our own lighting. Then I realized that there were just certain parts that I weren't uh, in stories that I wasn't seeing out there. So I started writing and, and pitching them and getting to play out these stories and some of these characters that I really wanted to play that I just wasn't seeing anywhere else. And I think that's where that love comes from is just being inspired to tell your own story. And in some cases for me, I, I like to write about a lot of things that happen in my own life and then play off of that. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of um, inspiration to that and you're more motivated when you are playing into something that you know more about. 
Because there's got to be nothing interesting that's happened in your life. We just learned you played hockey, boxing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was. I've, I've I've done a lot, man. And uh, you know, and I, I I wrote Sandman, my boxing film that we did a few years back, and some of that had had some things that were very close in my own life in that story. So um, I think that's why it was so close to me, and we won you know awards at the film festivals, and we took it all around the world, and, and we did fairly well, and we're we're proud of it. And but I think because of the real life emotions that were involved. So walk me okay. Let's 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 focus in on that one because I did see some stuff about that. Um, you you mentioned the film festival. So that that's the tail end. That's once it's all made and done. Let's start at the beginning of that life cycle. You have the idea for a a film about a boxer. So you sit down and write it, and then you've got to go out and raise money to make it. Correct. Yeah, that's just getting other people interested in the idea that you're excited about, right? Which has got to be a, terribly frustrating. I mean, I'm sure you've got. Some people that, you know, you can always go talk to, but you're always looking for more. Oh, for sure, man. You can never have enough help in the industry. And and unfortunately enough for me, when we did Sandman, I, I had some friends in the boxing community that really helped out. We filmed it. Um, local boxer, professional fighter, Jose Carabayo's gym. He opened his doors to us. You know, we've been very good friends ever since. We're both actors in the movie together. And so they, they opened, they welcomed us into the community with open arms. And then that really helped us out with, you know, locations and, and getting things to look things to look really authentic because then I had to go and get myself back in the shape that I hadn't been in in more than a decade. So it was it was nice to be able to get back into that mindset and live it with people that were still there. Um, but it's been then getting investors and other people on board and trying to get them excited about your product too because early on, you know, when we did that, there, there was a lot of people that really shut some doors on us too and they, they weren't real interested in it until, until we took it away from home and we went to Vegas and Japan and a few other places and did fairly well and when we came back people were more excited about it because we well, we showed them a proven product that they hadn't seen before we left that's gotta be rough I mean going out and just cause you gotta oh it is you're, you're, you, I mean, you, you obviously believe in this one right I mean and then I guess this is probably harder than that not getting the part part Part, you know, right? it, it is because you're so close to it, right? And yeah. it's like, you know, it's just anything that's, whether you experience something great in your life or something, a hardship or something bad, you know what I mean? And you have to retell it. You're always going to be closer than something that somebody else is offering you that you've never been through. So, okay. So we, we, we got, we got the money and then you started casting and then filming. Right. I'm, I'm not missing anything right. here, right? I, I kind of feel no, like no, that. no. Okay. We, yeah, we had the writing, we did the casting, we did the <laughs> filming. And then it was post-production and getting the trailer out there and, you know, plastering the posters all over town and social media. And so then when we got to the film festivals, that's when it all started. So we, once you get that first one to say yes, then, then it's exciting. You're a little nervous until somebody says yes, right? Well, how, you are with anything. So how, how, what's the gap between like final cut, wash my hands to your first film festival? It can, it can vary. It can be well, any I'm talking from, about, or in your example here, this, uh, like, like a time frame gap? Yeah. And this one's uh, six months. Sometimes it's a year, sometimes longer. But then to, to where we got to the first film festival, a little over six months. Okay, well, so that's a lot of downtime in between. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's what I was, you know, you've, okay, we'll call it nine months for the sake of the year six, you know, that gap. Sure. Uh, you started to work on something else or have some other things going on, and then you've got to kind of slam that or bring that to a, a, a pause, I guess, and go do this film festival and talk about something that is – now probably six months a year removed from being fresh in your mind now it's your story so i'm sure you've still got the passion for it but it's kind of well how did that scene go again or what am i telling the right story or am i just totally out of out of whack here 
No, you're 100% right. Yeah, you have to get back into that mindset again. And um, So you have to really be a juggler, so to speak, you know what I mean? Because you might be writing something else or working on someone else's film when that happens, and you got to get right back in it because you might have to do a Q&A at the festival or, you you know, somebody might have you on, on their podcast or you might be doing local radio and somebody wants to talk. So you really got to know the story and go back and be able to tell them in detail because there's a chance that one of them just saw it or watched it. And so in my case, it was okay because I had been there and I knew the story because, A, I wrote it, and, you know, two, I lived it. So it was, you know, I was still very, very close to it. But for some of the other guys involved, I'm sure, you know, when they went out, they had to do the same <laughs> thing and go, okay, it's time to get reacclimated here. Which has got to be tough. And then, then you know, I think about these uh, Hollywood actors who film three, four, or five movies a year and trying to keep that all straight. I can't imagine. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I've had – Jim, independent films, feature films that we've done and didn't see the light of day for two or three years just because of the editing process took longer or funding might not have came through as quick as, you know, intended, things of that nature, uh, or something happened to footage and things had to be reshot. So now you're going back two and three years and answering questions for Q&As and radio and podcasts, et cetera, um, and trying to remember. But, you know, a lot of good things happen on those sets. You make, you know, great friends and, and situations that take place so you always remember key things that happen you always have something to talk about from the project and you, you keep you know saying radio and podcast so i'm sitting here going two to three years ago i'm trying to remember who my guest was like i'm sitting here going <laughs> oh god almighty <laughs> like you know i hear you man uh it's it's tough but it's it's part of the business you know somebody people ask me about things that happened 10 or 11 years ago and like now you're really trying to go back you know, oh. and that's like, oh, okay, well, let me think about that. And there are certain things that do stick out for 10, and 10, 11, 12 years ago, whatever, but there's other things that I can't remember how they went at all. <laughs> I can't imagine. I, I'm trying to remember what I had for lunch now, and I'm stumbling. Uh, <laughs> probably because it's not that important in the big picture, right? So I didn't. Um, no, but you hate when you forget, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Why am I? I got that stomach. Oh, yeah, yep, I ate the eggs and hot sauce. That was it. So I don't want... This is going to sound bad, especially this early in the show. But I'm sure you get crazy people like me all the time coming in and say, I have this great idea for a film. Or am I wrong? Oh, I get, yeah, I get questions about films all the time. No, no, like I, I, like somebody has a hard pitch. They want to have you write it or direct it or something. Oh, to pitch it? Yeah, absolutely. And so what's like the worst one you've heard? I mean, you could give me a thumbnail sketch or twist it a little, but I just, I can't imagine, because, you know, like I get guests. I mean, you know how I'll just go for myself here. I get people that want to be on my show all the time, and then you go look at them and you're like, "What are they going to talk about?" Yeah, and, and I I can think of one or two that stick out. I mean, I had somebody, and, and I don't want to get into names and details because right, they no, had no. some passion when they put it. But I do recall something about a, a guy and a dog in outer space, and you know how they how they get there and how they're they're stuck there communicating, and it's just the two of them, and they got to survive together. And then and they stopped halfway through the pitch, and they said. Where do you think we can go from there? As if for me <laughs> to finish the story, and I don't even know how they got there to begin with. And so unless you're creating that story, it's really tough to put yourself in that mindset. Because um, if you don't know where they begin, you certainly don't know where they're going to end. And so that was tough. And you and you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You, know, you just you want to try to just carefully let them down and say, listen, I might not be the right person for you. Um, I try to help as many as I can, you know, but it's it's, it's impossible to, to do all of it. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here thinking, how do you film them? If you're stuck in space. <laughs> Correct, yeah. I mean, exactly I, guess, so. I, guess, I guess CGI is great these well, days, but. Well, camera crew aside, but yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure he just meant cast-wise, but I mean still. that's uh, well, but It still, just wasn't somewhere. My, my head wasn't in that space, you know, for lack of a better term. 
Now, how about the other side of that? Have you ever been pitched to really, like, oh, God, I need to get this to somebody else because they can make it way better? Not, No offense to you, of course, but, you know. You oh, know yeah, no, if, you, if it's if something that really needs a huge budget. Yeah, I, I actually somebody talked to me about one of my favorite things, and, you know, we talked about Back to the Future earlier. It was an author that had a book about time travel, and I love that. But what, if you don't have a major budget, it's really hard to pull off certain things that you need, certain styles, certain periods, especially when you're going to different periods, you know, and you got to go from the – 1800s to 2023. There's going to be a drastic change in books, and and that's going to require a lot of money and a lot of a lot of sets being built. And sometimes you just don't have that budget on the independents. I've been on high end independents. I've been on low end. I've been on Hollywood sets. I've been on them all. So you know the difference. Um, everything comes down to the budget and the creativity, and a lot can be done with a small budget too. You, there's really a lot of tricks and techniques out there where it can be, but. But if you if you know it's something that they're really passionate about and that they would succeed so much better on a much larger budget, you want to steer them in the right direction too. Okay, so that opens this question. Besides food and number of people, what's the biggest num- What's the biggest difference on these different sets? Uh, let's. Well, um, they're smaller sets to begin with. Uh, usually the physical size. So, like the rule of thumb one on a smaller set, independence is to have. Less actors, if you can, less locations, try to keep things as, as non-compact as possible. You know, it's just, it's just so that you can get around and you can get through your day a little quicker. Because you're not going to have, you know, a 40-man crew. You might have a 7-man crew. You might have an 8-man crew. And so you got to try to figure out where the old additive that less is more. you got to be able to work with less people, less materials, less equipment, and get down the same product, get down the same end result. Um, so I think that's the the key is learning how to tell the same story with less. Which is, as you mentioned earlier, is an art form to it. Oh, there totally is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I mean, it's also, there's a lot of upside to that too, because you're not stuck waiting for everybody to okay you to go from one hallway to the next, as you might on, on a Hollywood set. You are, you, sometimes you can't go four feet without a director or one of the ADs telling you, oh, hold on, you got to wait, you got to stand in this corner, look at this wall. And that's all part of it, you know, but on a smaller set, you have a little more mobility to get around and do what you need to do. And sometimes that's, that makes things a little more relaxing too. I love independent film. And I also got to figure that helps uh, the creation process too, because you could be there with eight people and see something that's totally better than what you had prescribed, wrote, whatever, and just go with it and not have to uh, totally shoot it up a ladder and get 12 people involved on a decision and all that other stuff. Correct, yeah, because you're probably only going to have maybe one or two people that are going to make that decision. Which, for anybody out there who's listening who doesn't understand, much easier. (laughs) A lot easier, yeah, and and you get it done quicker. Um, And then, you know... There's, like, again, pros and cons to both. I and mean, I love being on Hollywood sets, too. Obviously, that's the end goal. That's where everybody wants to be, right? Well, that's, I, what the, that's what they say, but, I mean, it sounds like you're rather happy doing what you're doing right now. I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. You know, I, I bounce back and forth. I still work on Hollywood sets when they'll have me, and there's the right parts. Um, but what I get to do independently, I really get to showcase our stories, our skill sets, and we can – we get the streaming platforms and our, our work's out there in front of thousands and millions as well. You know, you just might not have the same budgets, but we're, we're out there all over the world right now. And, and I couldn't be happier. We're, you know, we're doing autograph signings and, and radio interviews to promote these films. We do all the same stuff just on a smaller scale. And, um, but we get to do a lot of it, man. And it's really cool. It's a great feeling. Do you think at some point 
Now, this is kind of a loaded question because, I mean, I'm thinking about like a serial podcast, right, that kind of went mainstream, took a big splash. Do you think we're ever going to get to the point where that line really blurs between major and minor productions? Um, that's a good question. That's actually a really good question because I think we're, we're right now we're in the rise of the independent artists, and that's not just with acting. I think that you're going to see a lot more people – going independently um, just because there's more that they can do there'll be more work out there for them and the creativity you're not stifled with the handcuffs and saying you can or can't do this I don't think the independents are going anywhere I think with the way the market is now that they're here to stay that being said Hollywood's always going to be you know the big animal that it is it's the number one it's you know it's the WWE it's Hollywood you know um, it's that that's what it is um, so but the independents are here to stay, and they're saying, hey, we're sending a message that there is direct competition out there, and we can do everything you're doing just as well with a smaller scale. It's funny you mentioned WWE because they have had a – what's the word I'm looking for? bunch of um, – I don't want to say rivals because they're not quite on that level yet, but competitors, I guess is the way to put it, popping up over the last 10 years. Which fascinates me because there for a while they were the only game in town. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they, they had the market cornered. And um, I think people like alternative. I think competition's healthy. I think when WCW, you know, and I think you're, you're a wrestling fan, Jim, right? A, a little bit, just enough to be dangerous. A little bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, when, I think when WCW was bought out and left, I think that really took something away. And then TNA came into the picture and they were doing something really cool for a number of years. And then that went away. So I think with the rise of like Ring of Honor and AEW and New Japan, especially, um, and a lot of the independents, you know, there's an independent promotion, IWC in Pittsburgh. They have so much great talent there. Independents all around the world are, are rising in that area. And I think they're, people are taking a look now and going, Oh, you know what? Check us out. You couldn't see them 15 years ago at their shows unless you read about it. Now you can watch them on fight TV. You can watch them, you know, on, on the live streams. You can see them on their pay-per-views and on their apps. And, and so they're out there for everyone. They're all over social media. Again, just, just like the actor, just like the, the comedian, the, you know, their, their work is out there for everyone to see. So yeah, you want to get to the WWE, right? But your work can be showcased all around the world still. Which is an interesting thing because you're, you know, if the internet is level the playing field for all of us, right? But it's level the definitely. Play- but it's leveled the playing field for all of us. Now we all have kind of got our own little thing we're trying to do. And I think we can all hit some marks, but, you know, like you were saying, how for far sure. does it get I mean, you? Look how far podcasting's coming, man. It's fantastic. There's so many out, so many great podcasts out there that, that you know, people – I think less people are actually listening to radio, and they, they have their favorite podcast now. That's where they go, right? I, I believe that, and I know I'm guilty of that in the car, too. Like, I have not listened to regular radio in my car in – five, six years now? Like, at all. Like, if the kids are in the car and they want music, it's Spotify. If I'm in the car by myself, it's a podcast. Oh, for sure. Like, I, I'm maybe, maybe 10% of the time I'm listening to actual music. Or, well, from the radio, I should say. Um, a lot of the time I'm on a podcast or something that I want to hear. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, but I, I even find myself now, like, what, when I'm out mowing, instead of, because I eat for years, like, listen to music, right? Just mind-numbing, right in the round. Now it's like, well, I should be using that time to listen to whatever. <laughs> now I'm trying to get you know, smart while I'm 
Yeah, because there's so much variety, and it's actually it's like you know reading while you're driving without having to do so. You're, you're just listening intently, and you're learning, and your your mind's growing while you're while you're driving a vehicle safely, of course. But you just yeah, you're you, from you Pittsburgh. Lot, there's nothing safe about driving. There's vehicle. nothing safe. Nothing <laughs> safe. You try to be, and you know, forget about it. <laughs> but. But that, that there is, though. I think it gets the wheel spinning, and it, I think it's really actually adding to people's creativity right now. I think people are more creative than they've ever been right now. As many self-driving cars are down there in the Strip District, I'm surprised more people don't get killed. I will. Yeah, I have never. Have you ever been in? I've never been in one. I've I've been around. I'm a little nervous. I'm driving. <laughs> I'm a little nervous because I think I'm the one that will actually get test drove off the bridge. You know. <laughs> Well, that, that car's having a bad day. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure. I don't want to try it just yet. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I don't know if I, I. You know, I see those people sitting there, right, with their hands, whatever, not on the wheel, driving, and I. I just. I don't know if I could ever get there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not there. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm not there. I don't know if I will or not, but I'm, I'm definitely not there now. Well, I guess maybe, maybe. We'll see. Well, only time she'll tell. That's it. Yeah, Matt's, I guess that's what they're going toward, but I don't. we don't need that much future. I'm, I'm hearing about flying cars coming now, too. I don't know if that's a great idea. A lot of people can't walk, let alone fly a car. I was going to say, can we um, not fly? I mean... Yeah. That's one thing we can do without them, really. I mean, I see the Jetsons. It looks great. I mean, I, honestly, I get it, but... I don't know. 100%. <laughs> it, it makes me nervous. I can't... I don't want to see, you know, Hondas dropping out of the sky. I was going to say, one bad power outage or electrical storm, or, that just ends badly, I think. Oh, absolutely. I'll probably end up in my swimming pool. I have enough problems keeping that thing clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trees, squirrels. Yeah, all of it. All of the above. Now we can add cars to the equation. So, what am I okay? Where can where can people put, find you and the the stuff you're working on and all that stuff? Because I want to make sure people can connect with. Yeah, you absolutely. So, um, all my social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok is is at Real James Quinn. So I try to keep it pretty simple there, Real James Quinn. Um, and right now, my my current projects that I'm working on are the twelfth letter, starring myself and James Storm, and there's also. Strange Angels, we have a TV series, a streaming series in development. So you'll be able to find that on Facebook. It's, it's Strange Angels. Um, and so anything you need is on uh, YouTube. I, I interact with people a lot on Twitter and Instagram. So if you want to send me a DM or a tweet or something, I usually will try my best to get back to you because I, I love the feedback and I like to hear what people are thinking about the business and life in general. So it's good, I think, for us all to, to interact and uh, grow as people. Yeah, I was going to say, if you follow me on Twitter, which you should be doing. I do. I'm talking. To I'm talking to the listener, but you can find uh, me audience. through him. Yes. The, if you're the, listening to Jim right now, the third wall. You just broke it. No. <laughs> uh, so, so what else? What do you What do you do for fun? Because it seems like you have a pretty fun profession. So this this should be fun. Yeah, I I love my time with family. I love spending any any free moment I can with the family. Um, I I still love to play ice hockey. You know, I'm writing a lot. Fitness. I love. I love you know working out at the gym or just hitting the trails and taking a walk and just taking it all in, man. I love history. I like to to study things that have happened before my time. It intrigues me. So a, a lot of variety, you know. So okay, I've got to ask this question because maybe you can make help me understand this. The difference between Western Pennsylvania and Hollywood is besides Same the best, bes besides the nice weather. What's the what's the big difference? 
Western time zone. That's <laughs> no, it's uh, well, obviously, I mean, the, the cost of living is crazy, right? Yeah. Um, there's there's just so so much different. Hollywood is just so crowded. There's just so you know so many people living around there, and there's so much happening at such a high pace. You know, it's, it's crazy as you think Pittsburgh might be in high pace. It is. It's probably half of what you're going to see in L.A. right now. Which blows my mind because Which, I live in a small town north of Pittsburgh, and I think, okay, you know, woo, when I get to Pittsburgh and there's, you know, six lanes at once, and it's kind of... <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, I'd say that it, the, the lack of snow, but it's really not, you know, knock on wood. We've, we've lucked out this winter so far here in Pittsburgh. I was going to say, when it snows a foot... I know who to call. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm really worried about March right now. Yeah, I was going to say, you might as well scrap that film schedule because if you're planning mm-hmm. on doing anything outside, it's going to be a, a whiteout. It's, it's supposed to be 70 on Thursday. Is it really? I, I just heard that. I, it could be wrong, but that's well, that's the latest. Thursday it's 70, Friday 28 and a foot of snow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of my chatters pops up. Hollywood has fewer pirate fans. That's the big difference. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not so, sure. Pittsburgh well, has a few, just a few pirate fans anymore. I was gonna say, there's only a few of us left here too. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> God knows, I want to see them do well. Who doesn't? I think they'd probably burn the city down if they won again. Uh, I got so excited 2014 when AJ Burnett and, and the crew came around, Andrew McCutcheon, who is back, mind you. Um, but it, we actually started to make a run again, and I thought, well, here, things are finally turning around after all these years. And it's like we're right back to where we started. <laughs> the rebuilding plan finally worked for once, and now... Mm-hmm. now but we're... I am happy to see Kutch return to Pittsburgh. That, that's nice for nostalgia. He's a class act. I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's back. Absolutely. Good guy to come back. I mean, I don't know if he could play anymore, but it's always good to have good guys around. My fear is he's going to have a good year, and he's going to be a Yankee by the end of the season. But... <laughs> <laughs> But, hey, well, more power to him if that's the case. There's a view repeating itself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's. Um, I got to be careful because I said this wrong once before. Okay. Inspi- inspiring actors, not expiring, because expiring is totally different than inspiring. Oh, big time. <laughs> <laughs> Makes for a better clip on YouTube, though. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, that's an expired actor. There. Yeah. There, how do you become an expiring actor? Uh, but what should people do to be get get out there? Because like like we were saying earlier, the field's all level. But how do you stand out in the in the pack? Learn, get on get on every set you can early on. Network networking is key. Uh, take it all in. Do background whatever you have to do. Take as many auditions as you possibly can. Meet people. Find out what they do. But listen. Most important thing is when you do get on the set, listen. Just watch. Especially your first couple of years, you just want to you want to be a sponge and absorb everything. There's a lot of knowledge out there. Um, and if you find the right people and then on the independence, it's the same way. Watch, learn, take the workshops that, you know, the local casting agencies are offering and start meeting people and just networking, go to the local events, find out who the local filmmakers are, because where you're going to really cut your teeth is, you know, on the local stages and then on the local films with independent. And that's where, you know, you're really going to start to grow your own brand early on. So get a lot of people behind you by supporting them and you support each other. That's how we grow. But just learn. Take it all in and just absorb everything. And don't be afraid to be told no. It's going to happen a lot. You know, make that what builds you up and not tears you down. There you go. Go do and pay attention and be a good human. There we go. I'll say it. <laughs> That's key. That is key. Positive ad. Positive. Nobody wants negative. Because I'll tell you, it's a, it's a small community and people talk. 
you know, negative just will, will end your career faster than you can blink. So it's, the key is to stay as positive as you can all the time. And that's tough. Yeah, and you, you think, you know, acting is a big, big-time profession, but I think all you guys know each other, or at least have the, what is that, seven, six degrees of Kevin Bacon going on? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. It's And it's as big as the world as it is, it's just as small because it's there's a lot a lot of people that will will know who or what you've been doing, you know, very quickly. So you want it to be good that they're hearing because they're they're going to be the ones that decide if they're going to help you or not. See, you, and we you, all need a little help. I uh, I forgot the name of it. You mentioned chasing chasing angels? Did I, or gir- Oh, strange angels. Strange yeah, that angels. is based off the novel who's also oh, I'm sorry, the author who's from Pittsburgh, Ernest Keegan, wrote this. It's it's got a boxing premise, crime drama, film noir, all the stuff I love. Based, you know, it's. I, I was a big Humphrey Bogart fan, and all the film noirs from the 1930s and 40s, 50s, and so that's kind. of, I think what inspired Ernie to write the book Strange Angels, which we're now turning into a streaming series. Which kind of, because I, I, a streaming series is what caught me when you said that, because I, you know, I always think, you know, that Hollywood's doing all the series, and you guys are doing movies and shorts and whatever, but a streaming series. Um, Wow, I guess I'm wrapping my head around that as we're talking. So I don't know if that's good news or bad news. Yeah, it's well. I mean, you, obviously, you could you know pitch to the networks too, but I think that the, the power's in streaming now, and that's where the eyes are at. Everybody wants to stream everything. They don't have time to watch their favorite show all the time on NBC as much as we love NBC at, at nine o'clock. They're either you know they're going to yeah, DVR they should, they and watch be, it later. They shouldn't be, or, or, <laughs> or they're going to they're going to stream it when it's you know convenient for them. People love to binge watch things. So. Um, I think we have something really cool here, and you know we're going to be working on that for the next several months, and, and hopefully we'll be able to present that to everyone here in, in the coming months. And uh, I think people in, enjoy it; it's going to have a fresh take. I didn't do the numbers in 2022, but so let's see. So 2021, I noticed my live numbers versus my podcast numbers were like nine percent live versus what is that, ninety-one percent podcast, which is just ridiculous. Right, but exactly. Hey. I'm glad that anybody shows up and listens, period, but, you know. For sure, man. <laughs> and you'd be surprised. And that's just as you continue to push and, and show people the great things you're doing. I mean, I've I've seen a lot of your shows, man. A lot of, you know, you've had a lot of great guests, and you've just been growing leaps and bounds by the years. That's that's the goal, right? You just keep after it and keep networking with people, keep meeting good people. and 100%, man. People are talking. They say, you know, hey, Jim's got a good show, or this one's got a good show. You should check it out. And then that's how it happens. It's the same for what we do. You know, they say, do you see that guy's film? Do you see that guy's, you know, boxing match? Whatever the case is. It's good to get eyes on you. I mean, publicity is good, in, you know, in all forms. That's that's the name. Like I said, that's how do you, you know, how getting standing out. Just a fraction because there's so many people. Just being just a head above gets you open strange doors sometimes. I mean, that's the key because so many things have been done, right? So are you recycling something? But you just have to find the way to put your spin on it no matter what you're doing. You might find something familiar to people, but find a way to stick your own unique self on it, you know? Yeah, I don't, maybe, I don't want to pigeonhole you, but sitting here talking to people is not a unique idea. Like, you're, this isn't your first interview tonight. This probably isn't right. your first interview this week. <laughs> right? Right, or, or my last. I got another one on Friday. <laughs> right, so, so, like a, so to try to find something new for you to talk about, having not listened to your complete catalog of, a former guest, or form, when you've been guest on shows, it's kind of hard, but I I try to get to a place just a little different once in a while, right? So yeah, people, and you make it personable, right? Yeah. That's the key. Like, I I was talking to somebody today, what what, what, are, you, what are you what are you going to talk to me about on your show? And I'm like, 
I'm gonna talk about you. And I, you know, I do this, re- I do this research, and then 15 minutes in, I realize that that three hours of research, I'm gonna throw away, and we're gonna talk about wrestling and Pittsburgh, and, you know, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> all these other fun things, and not necessarily get nerdy into writing and production, which some people would enjoy, but some people enjoy the other. So it's that fine line. Well, we're covering a lot of great topics, all my favorites, mind you. But I'll let you in on this little secret, too, because this is the most that we've gotten to talk about Strange Angels publicly because we're just getting into the auditions later this Sunday in Millville, Pennsylvania. So we only got to mention it maybe one other time, so this is as deep as we got to dive in on, on podcasting with it yet. Well, I'll, I'll throw you the same thing that I threw uh, Bill O'Brien a few years ago. If you ever need some audio talking background talk radio noise, I know a guy that's got a bunch. There you go. <laughs> Can always use that. So There's always a need. Okay, so Everett's got a question here. How does the sheer volume of available media and its division of its audience affect independent filmmaking? Immensely. Um, it, I think it, it helps put so many more eyes and so much more traffic on our product than there, than there ever used to be, especially in the last four or five years just by the way that the media has changed and the way that people everyone's following when somebody watches your stuff and likes it and shares it and it's somebody that has a big following and then somebody else does the same thing it puts a lot of eyes on what you're doing and certain keywords that you're when you're posting about your hashtags and different things that are out there are, are allowing more people than ever to find out what you're doing and, uh, and more of the local media is now paying attention to independent arts than ever before as well. So I'd say it, it definitely helps immensely. I know he's a small independent musician, so it applies to him too. Being 100%. Out, being out there on that global stage may, while well, you may only have just for the sake of numbers, 10 fans in your local market, but you're playing to thousands when you get on the internet. It may be hard to sell that show locally, but if you're selling that CD, people still sell CDs. Somebody's going to fact check me and scream at me, but uh, <laughs> the fact remains: once you get out there, it takes a life of its own, just like the show and just like your films. Like once they're out there, they're out there. Well, one hundred percent, they're out there, and getting you know getting people to to kindly put out a review for you. You know, every time there's a review or every time there's a view, man, that that helps tremendously. So get the word out there. Send it to all your social media. Send it to all your your email contact list, anybody you have out there that's willing to share it for you because it just puts you in front of that many more people. It's funny you mentioned local media a few seconds ago, and I had a conversation with a guy who um, started his own blog, I guess for the lack of a better definition, um, because he got fired from the local newspaper and started covering local things, and it has rapidly become viable and successful and all that good stuff. But because people wanted to read local stories by local people, right? Like, it's all great. We can get the AP wire. Everybody has access to the AP wire, whatever national news that you want, whatever spin you want on your national news. But people are still genuinely interested in what their neighbor's doing. Correct. And you know what? And, and that person probably took his following with him. And not only that, he's no longer handcuffed to what they tell him he has to do. He's able to be his own creative boss. Which has worked out tremendously because as you can imagine as you may know more 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 think more hands in the pot make things what's the, there used to be a phrase about that somebody's going to have to figure that one out for me can make them more difficult that's for sure <laughs> oh but no, that, <laughs> <laughs> yes that's true but there oh anyways 
I don't need to swear tonight, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> let it out, Jim. Let it out. So, as you're developing these projects, when you you must have a notebook that you carry with you or some way to keep track of all this stuff. Because I can imagine you, you'll see something and you'll be like, oh, that's a great idea for a, a scene or a, a character. Or Talk me through that because I can't imagine trying to keep track of all that. You know, I do, actually. I, I tend to keep a notebook of sorts in my car just in case I'm out and about. But I also use the notepad on my iPhone a lot. So if I see something that I know I'm not going to remember offhand all the time or something I need a, a keyword to trigger it, I will go into my notepad and I'll make a note of it. And it could be something simple taking place around you, you know, at, at a park or at a museum or on a bridge. And it just just triggers an idea in your head. You know, you could see the most ridiculous thing, Paul, or you could see the most serious thing, and all of a sudden the wheel starts spinning, and that's when you got to pull over and start writing. It's just like if you have a dream, right? Or you're doing like what people would call a lucid dream, and you have something real memorable take place, but you know you're going to forget it 10 minutes after you wake up. Keep that notepad by your bed and write it down as soon as you wake up. And hopefully you're able to read your writing in the morning when you wake up. Yeah, because then – yeah, I might wake up and have an idea for a movie from sleeping, but if I don't write it down in the first 10 minutes, <laughs> chances are I'm not going to remember it. Because I, I did that once, and I wrote, I wrote something, and I'm looking at my notepad now, and I can read my writing right now. Of course, I don't, uh, don't know how many other people can, but at least I can decipher it and make it work. And I woke up, and I went, holy snap, I can't. I just literally can't. So I showed it to my wife, and I showed it to a few other people, right? And then somebody, one of my friends, said, turn it over, and I, I could read it. So I picked up the notepad <laughs> upside down and just... <laughs> Uh, but at least you could read it. Yeah, That's like, what and that and that final moment of you know just you know that turn it over, and I went, there it is. Like you know, <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm not even I'm not even sure if you know they were seen it like when I was handing it to them, like because you know when you hand it to somebody they can see it upside down, or what. But either way, it just worked out fantastic. And the moment you had to have processed <laughs> it pretty quickly when you wrote it down, and yeah. but you but you have it. And, and even even if you just got to take a picture of something with your phone and you don't have anywhere to write something, just to just to jar your memory, you know, for later on. That's just whatever you have to do to make your creative wheel spin. Oh, trust me, my creative wheels spin all the time. It gets me in trouble. Yeah, I think mine are spinning too much, <laughs> all different directions. And now I'll I'll finish the website. I'll be like, oh, that's good. I'm done with that. And then I'll click. I'll go to somebody else's podcast. I'll be, oh, I should do that too. Hold on. So I'm going to, there we go, wait for him to connect here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. So I'm going to explain that to you at the same time I explain it to everybody. That was wild. Uh, I use a a voice meter banana program to mix the show digitally so I don't have a mixer. And um, people said, where did the audio go? And I went, where did the audio go? Because I was asking a good question. And then I hear you talking and I noticed, I looked at my little meter and it stopped moving at the same spot. And I'm like, that can't be good. Yeah, after about 30 seconds, I said, hey, uh, Jim, uh, testing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that can't be good. That isn't normal. And then it's, uh, it has this restart mode, so I click, click, you know, trying to bring it back real quick. And Yeah. Nope. nope. I thought so, maybe the Zoom had dropped up, but hey, all was good. We're here. Yeah, so all is well that ends well, right? Okay. So That's right. We were talking about, or I was trying to talk about uh, 
scoring movies because I have Everett in the, on the on the pond there, and he's the like I said, a small independent musician. I don't want to downplay him saying small, but um, so how does that process work for you? Because I never, I, I guess, I just put the pieces together on the fly. That that all that all that stuff has to happen too in a budget. It does, it does, and and again, we we start to lean toward the local and independent art, not just local, but independent artists everywhere, like like your friend there. Um, and so we we try to gather up as much. Now, sometimes like YouTube and certain other stations have free music that you can use or really affordable music with royalty free and things like that. But I try to find a lot of local artists or independent artists around that, that really want to get their, their music out there and if we see if it fits our project. So I have a lot of people submit us music all the time. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's it's good to really just submit your music to find the local filmmakers if you are a musician and get your get your music out to them because a lot of them are going to need something fresh for their product and you might have the thing that works perfect for them or we you know we rely on people to score um the actual tone of the film itself so we we got people that do that too so send your resumes to us and we we look for people that are you know on the grow on the on the rise and, and growing and um that aren't you know a million dollar budget right to get them and so and then we help each other, and I think that's what a lot of things are. We get your music out there. We all, you know, sometimes we all make a few bucks together, and we get our product streaming around the world. So get, you know, get your stuff out there uh, because we're always looking. I was going to say that because that's the key, right? Because maybe your song in that movie hits the right person, and the next thing you know, you're – is it still PPG Paints Arena? It's called uh, this, this week it is, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since I've I've looked at the sign. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we tend to change names in this town a lot. It's always going to be Heinz Field, so I don't care what you call it. That's that's I my my sentiments exactly. So whatever. I mean that that was probably the worst deal they could have made. Yeah, I mean I get it. It comes down to money, and they, everybody wants their name on things. But you know Heinz is so synonymous with Pittsburgh. Yeah, well that's what I'm saying. You don't want to be the guy that follows the guy, right? You want to be that next person. In. Correct. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not an envious position to be in. Other than well, the fact that they're making a lot of money. Well, hey, if they wanted to send us a check, me, you, us, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I can learn to like the name. I mean, the right been, price, right? Might have been better served to send us all one hundred fifty dollars checks and send. <laughs> <laughs> buy, buy our love. Yeah. Buy um, our admiration. Okay, so I, I think that I don't want to keep you too much later. I just want to make sure we got because I, I, I was a great. I wanted to get to that question because I, I was fascinated by it. Um, no, that's a, that's a great question because you know there's there's a lot of great musicians locally and independently around the world that are just looking to get their work out. We just did it with the twelfth letter. Um, our our author actually Jackie Havorka writes music too. She wrote a, a theme song for it. It's about the veterans' battle and PTSD. There's some true stories that take place in the film. We had a recording artist from Nashville, Emmeline, recorded, and she's winning awards all over the place for the song. So it's another way to get your product out there and you be seen and win awards and really grow your brand is by teaming up with independent film. I was going to say, it's another route for success and potentially cheap music videos. Just saying. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Oh, you're going to hate me. Uh, but the door is always open. I love talking to you, and I'm glad I finally got the chance to. We've we've been Twitter friends for a while now, so I'm glad we finally connected tonight. No, that was nice. I appreciate it, man. It was great talking with you and anytime, man. I'm open to it. And, it, it, you know, if you need something out there, you know where to find me. I, I do. That I do. And I thank you, Jim, and I thank your listeners. And uh, have, have a good evening. Not that we, oh, sorry about that. 
Now that Te- we sign off officially. Now that technology is our friend, finally. Ugh. Yeah, it is. It is what it is, man. That's, it happens <laughs> a lot, you know? We, just, we stick it out till the end. That's right. Well, thank you again for the time this evening. My pleasure. Take care, Jim. And there's uh, James Quinn. So, Pittsburgh guy. I love getting Pittsburgh people in the po- program because uh, our local flavor, you got to support each other like he was saying. So, so now I'm rolling the clock forward here so I can hit the post for Germantown Runner, even though I'll have to edit this together on the audio version because that's what you're going to get. So here we go. See you next week, I think. Right? I'm going to do this again? Probably? Possibly? Maybe? It's the Mallard Report. Yeah, the Mallard Report. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a good show tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Take a few moments, subscribe, share, all the fun stuff. You know how to do it. I don't have to tell you. Just uh, be ready for next week. It'll be sooner than you think. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.